What's up, Clitorati? I am so excited to introduce to you our guest today, my new poly sister twin. (laughs) So we have a very fun collaboration to share with you this week. We are podcasting with a new podcast called Open Late Conversations on Relationships through the lens of non-monogamy, where you can discover how your relationships can be a vehicle for growth. Always great to have another non-monogamer in the house. So please welcome Jessica S. Fondery. Yeah, thank you so much. I feel like my energy right now is so... I'm. I'm excited. I literally feel like the three of us are like, okay, let's jump right in. <laughs> yeah. my, my tail is wagging. I'm like a little puppy over here. Just Mine press too. record Mine and let's go. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Yes, and I just had the privilege of being on your show and Jessica and I discovered we have a lot in common. Um mm-hmm. Especially that we are both queer women. We identify as queer and we are both married to uh, cis heterosexual men. Yes. And we were just getting off on that um, that, that parallel we share. <laughs> yes. And how we might want to venture into some more like very queer, positive, or even queer heavy spaces. And we're gonna we're gonna go on that journey together. We are. Yeah. Yeah. We do. We have a commitment to put it in the calendar by the time we're done today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we so Jessica, before you were married, did you know that you were bisexual or queer? So I think I knew it deep down, but I Mm -hmm. wouldn't let myself express it. I wouldn't even admit it to myself. It was like in this little box that I kept like really tightly closed. And it's interesting to just have this beautiful conversation with Madison about how, you know, the the norms of when you're opening up and you're first starting to do it, not everybody does it right. So it's like, oh, it's it's okay for like girls to be bisexual. Um, and that's what, you know, I think the society I grew up in was for, okay, this is cool because guys think it's hot. So I'd make mm-hmm. out with my friends in college or like even in high school. Um, but I wouldn't ever consider what that meant for me. It was like, I'm doing this for attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the inkling was there. I knew I was always attracted to women, but it wasn't until I was inside of a marriage with my husband that I felt the space to explore it and that it was okay. I needed the safety and security of what we had started to feel like, okay, maybe I am, you know? And even then I was like, maybe I am bisexual. It took me years to really lean into and own what queer means and how queer is just um, so much more inclusive and Mm. moving into a society that's like mm, starting to tiptoe away from patriarchy, which I'm a big fan of. Mm. Totally. So yeah. you and Madison have a lot of parallels then. Yeah. That's why I asked. Yeah, we made cool. new friends today. We got really excited. We just like <laughs> We did. Yeah. yeah. And I, I totally can relate to, right? The the when I first was exploring uh with my sexuality, I I went with bisexual as the label. Um and I, I had understood what bisexual meant since uh, middle school and 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 high school and um, I do feel that the B is like underrepresented. And so at times, like depending on a pod, like if I'm being interviewed on a podcast or I'm in a conversation that, you know, even just sharing that I'm bisexual is taboo, um, I will maybe use that language. But, you know, on the on the day to day and when people ask me, I'm like, no, I'm qu- I'm queer. That is same, same, same. I And I still I will use it. And I think that like including them both is nice because there's so many women and people who listen that are on the journey that are like just comfortable with that because they might not even really understand what queer means. And I know I didn't. And so I think like, you're right. The bi is underrepresented. It's also like hugely marginalized in the LGBTQ community. Cause it's like, are you one? Or are you the other? Or, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shade that gets thrown. I think yeah. as you're entering into the space of like total vulnerability when it comes to figuring out your own sexuality. Mm. Um, I'm curious, what does, um, what does queer mean to you? I think queer is such an umbrella term for embracing the fluidity of sexuality. 
and to to the point that there there are more than two genders. So to say you're bisexual, okay, cool. You maybe you're like I'm only attracted to men or women, but I think it's such an outdated term as we're coming into a space now where we're realizing, you know, there is no gender normativity and there's so much fluidity in how people are expressing themselves. And I might want to lean more into my masculine side these days, as you know, you started to touch on in, in our conversation. And so for me, queer, I think is this term of like celebration of sexuality period. And today I might feel this way. And in a year, I might actually have a different desire. And I think queer allows me to express all of that and know that I'm, I'm not some, um, I don't know, like I'm not, a, I'm not this stone that's never going to change. I'm like putty and queer lets me be putty. Queer lets me have like this beautiful relationship with a woman today. And maybe tomorrow I meet somebody totally different that I want to be with. And yeah, I think it's just like, there's something about it that's so much more celebratory of everyone, Mm. you know, whether it's transgender or somebody that's not sure, you know, but just like, I have so many people in my life that are like, I don't even know what I want to identify as right now. And so queer is, queer brings everybody in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like the label that's like, I'm not going to be labeled. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And then, so you're currently married and then, so how are, how do you and your husband and your, you and your partners, how do you navigate um, your relationships, current relationship structure? Yeah. I love this question. It's, um, I am currently married. We actually celebrated eight years of marriage two days ago. Oh, Wow. And yeah, congratulations! Think, thank you. I've um, been with my partner for eight years too. <laughs> we just had our this eight year done. anniversary in June. This is like wow, yeah, <gasps> this is crazy, yeah. And we're coming up on like August, which is eight. And it's like That's heading true. into that Lionsgate portal realm of like eight eight. Okay, mm. I I feel like the three clips. I just have to say this because it, it was like a witchy moment just now for me when I was like <laughs> that you guys sometimes call yourself the three clits. I was like, that's like the three witches, right? They're playing on yes. that because there's usually three. Okay, cool. I was just checking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, cool, cool. We're super witchy over here. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, how do we navigate our relationship? Um, well, I think the best thing for me to do is, wait, what is that? Is that a wand. wand? A wand? <laughs> It was a little bit of a delayed wand, but nonetheless, I wanted to validate. We are witches. I'm so glad you did that because I put on my clit ring and I didn't want to forget to show you guys. Oh, I love it. Have you ever seen this? Uh, No, I need one though. I need one. you listening, it's beautiful. Go check it out on YouTube. I love that. Where'd you get that? We've been doing Clit Talk for a while now, over 200 episodes to date, and we have had an influx of new Clitorati, and we still have our consistent OG Clitorati tuning in every week. So we've created a free gift for you. It's called Clit Talk Cliff Notes, the no BS guide to self-pleasure and sexual intimacy. And we're really giving you our best highlight reel of sex tips. We have combined our top sex hacks to give you confidence, communication, orgasms, and the ability to take your pleasure game from zero to 100 real quick and blow any partner's mind in bed. Included in this banging free gift is two free audio trainings, self-pleasure is self-love, and our hottest sex tips. We also have unreleased episodes and a fan favorite from our Sex and Empowerment Signature Masterclass, an erotic visualization, and a video on orgasmic breathing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So to get a little taste of what we do here, you definitely want to sign up for Clit Talk Cliff Notes. Just go to clittalkshow.com backslash guide because Clitorati, it is possible to have quantum leaps in your sex and empowerment with simple and impactful shifts. Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today, yes. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk, talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys and everyone on the 
gender rainbow Bring your pussies to the show My friend Ginger Banks actually gave it to me as a gift and a bunch of our girlfriends have them. Uh, Ginger and Daniela like gift these rings, but it's a company called Penelope Jones. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'll send you a link because I feel like y'all need one of these. They're beautiful. Like, anyway. Really like, pretty. I haven't put Gorgeous. on my clit ring in a minute and I'm going to do this interview. So when when we switched, I went and put it on. Um, Love it. Okay. Where were we? How do I navigate my relationship dynamics? Yes. Yeah. So that's changed a lot over the last eight years. It's never just been one relationship or one marriage. It's had this beautiful evolution and sort of like roller coaster, maybe, but sometimes beautiful ride, um, sometimes bumpy and sometimes really thrilling. When we first got married, we were completely like monogamy was the only thing we knew. There was no talk of like, oh, maybe we'll open up or we want to be sexually adventurous. Um, we had both been in really unhealthy relationships, a series of, you know, back-to-back monogamy. And I had a lot of sexual shame. I had very minimal sexual exploration in my life until I met my husband. And it was at the place where I was almost like fed up. I'm like, is this what I'm going to keep doing? I need something different. I was really starved for affection, attention, intimacy in my previous relationship with someone who was, it was really unhealthy for like three years. So when I met Pasha, I was like, he was my rebound. I was like, who is this guy <laughs> going to, we're, it was a secret from all of our friends. And we started having like hot, secretive sex. It was really rough and all the things that I had been missing like my whole life. So we had a lot of like, kind of power dynamics. And it was like my first entry into real, like a little bit of BDSM, like impact play. And I was like, I really like this. I want more of it. So it was really sexually adventurous for me. But about six months in, we had an accidental threesome, like a completely unplanned, like just, you know, some liquid courage and a good girlfriend of mine that I had been attracted to for a while, never did anything about. We were all out at a party together in Vegas because we used to live there. And we took her home and we had this incredible, like just like the most mind-blowing night of like fun, sex, safety, friendship. It was just so easy. Um, And the next morning you know, all the feelings set in of like, what does this mean? What if people find out? I had all like a lot of sort of shame come like right down on me. And my husband, who we had both been doing so great, Madison, we have so much in common. We had both been deep in this um, very intense emotional intelligence course. That was a four month long container all about, you know, emotional intelligence, personal development, communication. He was like, okay, like, let's talk about this. And I was brand new to this world. I was maybe like, I don't know, six months in to living this way. And he's like, well, how did it feel? What did it feel like in your body? Tell me about it. And when I was talking about myself and my experience, it was very joyful. And the moment I started talking about anyone else, what are people going to think? Um, It was basically like the what are people going to think thing, the shame. He was like, we need to separate these two things. And if you want to explore this, I think that you could and should. And I would love to like watch you express yourself this way. Or, you know, even like courtside seats. But also it would be great to be involved. (laughs) So like, it's like our conversation flipped. Um, So... Our com- for people listening, our conversation meaning with the one that Madison and I just had, um, which is really beautiful because I was like, oh, wow, I can explore this. And so luckily for us, that friend, we saw her again. And the three of us had this thing that was never threatening. Everyone's always like, well, weren't you worried he was going to like her more? I had I felt so confident in my relationship with him. We knew we were life partners from like the moment. Um, I think that we committed to one another. 
And so for the first like year, we sort of did that. And then we like went to a play party or two, (laughs) which are like pay to play kind of play parties. We were just figuring it out. We were um, navigating some like apps online and some social networks that were specific um, for people who were non-monogamous or, you know, people who wanted to be in the lifestyle. So we did that for a while, for about two years before we then started dating other people, which was really interesting. And I remember being so resistant, like I'm not having an open marriage. Like I thought it was this neat little thing that we can keep wrapped up in a little bow of like, we do these things together and we like kind of plan them and they're very contained. But the idea of just being completely open was something that brought up a lot of like insecurity in me and I worked through it. I'm so glad I did because wow, the other side's been so beautiful. Um, And then we opened up, we dated people separately. I was dating women and men. Um, He, my husband's um, heterosexual, so he dates women. And we were very private about all this for five years. No one knew, um, at least unless somebody saw us in an online space or at a, at a party. We were like, oh, you too? Okay. Um, but very secretive because I didn't want anybody to find out because I still had a lot of internalized, um, you know, misogyny and shame and all of those things. And then about five years into our marriage, we met Lauren and... Lauren just completely like rocked our world, my world, his world. Um, We both fell in love with this woman who we met in the same personal development course, (laughs) mind you. We were back kind of peer coaching and mentor coaching. And that's when like, I really understood, oh, we're polyamorous. And we had been before, we had had pretty loving relationships with other partners that we held space for. Um, And you know, very romantic, intimate relationships at times with other people. But we were like, oh, this is what we've been doing. We just didn't really have the language for it. And we, we've we never really had community in, in the non-monogamy world. Um, we've kind of done it alone, I think, because I was so private. And so we meet Lauren, we fall in love. And the first like couple of months, I'm like, oh, my parents are going to visit soon. And I'm like, well, I'm not hiding this. I can't. She's like, just the fucking tits. Like, I love her so much. I want everybody to meet her. And so at this point, some of our very close friends knew the people that we felt safe with, we would share and tell. And we'd been going to Burning Man for years. So like our whole Burning Man camp knew and other friends that were burners, like our our other burner friends are some open and very just like loving. And um, so we had like that world. And then Lauren comes in. So I come out to my parents. And so that goes really well. Um, They're like very accepting. And they were the people I was worried about hurting the most with this kind of information. Because, you know, I think parents tend to take things very personally that their kids do. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you doing this to me? (laughs) And I thought I was going to be met with that. And it wasn't. So um, lucky for us, then we've like carried on a relationship for the last three years. Lauren and I are girlfriends, best friends. We run a business together. Um, And she and my husband had like a very sexual relationship for the first six months. And then it sort of fizzled into a beautiful friendship. They have a lot of like brother, sister energy and dynamics. And so that's how we function like right now. It's been that way and been beautiful. It's like a family. She lives like half a mile from our house. She's here all the time. She and I work together way too much. Um, actually. So we need to like schedule in our date nights and like make it happen. Um, otherwise it it doesn't. We've like almost become like that boring old married a little bit, which is, which is like Katie that I need your support because I'm like, yeah. how do we reignite? We, and we talk about it and actually this is a whole tangent, but in therapy recently, I was like, we should explore this. Do we want to intentionally like reignite a lot of romance? Are we actually happy with what we're doing? And and I think it's important to share for people listening. And I'm sure you do this a lot, Madison, but it's like, 
normalizing that being polyamorous doesn't mean you're inherently like highly sexual. It just means like I'm in love with two people right now. And, you know, we, Lauren and I have maybe haven't slept together in like three months, but I kiss her on the mouth every day and like pinch her butt and like, I want to see her naked, you know? Totally. So that's the dynamic. And the three of us all um, have the space to date other people and do from time to time. I was just on vacation for five weeks and I definitely got some strange, which was really nice. Some stranger, um, some stranger action. Yeah, yeah. You got nice. some strange. That's I got some str- like, what does that mean? You Have got you something strange? That? No. <laughs> I didn't bring home anything strange. No, but <laughs> I was like, oh, oh no. I thought, I thought there was a thing people say. Lauren and I say that all the time if we hook up with somebody else. We're like, I got some strange. <laughs> I love that term. <laughs> yeah. So the three of us do date. And Lauren is on the journey of like finding her partner. She really wants her life partner. She wants to marry a man. Um, and like have a family. And I think our relationship actually for her has always been a vehicle to learn this like deep acceptance, unconditional love and how she should be treated. Um, she shares really openly and we've had her, I've had her on my show about like, this is the healthiest relationship she's ever been in. And we've really taught her like what she deserves as a woman and how to be like respected and just like completely cherished. And that's, the hugest compliment to me because I'm like, I didn't realize we had the ability to do that for anybody else. We do it for each other, but knowing that like that's the gift, I feel like she's the ultimate gift. And she's like, no, I'm, I literally have like learned what my standards are because of being in a relationship with the two of you. So that's our dynamic. <laughs> I'm like on wow. borderline tears right now because the, the, these parallels between us like keep happening. So we also have our Lauren, but her name's not Lauren. It's another yeah. name. I won't say her name just to, I don't, I don't, I didn't to ask her if I could, but we, and yeah. she actually lives with us. Mm, um, I love that. It was the woman with the golden braids that I was telling you about in our last wow. episode. She became family. Like, and, and what's so interesting is when she first moved in with us, we, the sexual expression of our friendship sort of, fizzled, but the emotional and spiritual intimacy inside of her relationship like heightened. And she, she does certain ceremonial work. We have a temple at our house and she's a facilitator of a really potent medicine. Um, and okay. I can't wait to hear what you're going to say. Jessica like has her hands in her face. She's like smiling so big. Another parallel. Is there another parallel with the ceremony? Okay. That's like I literally a witness in this conversation. What Lauren and I do. This is, okay, so this this is insane. I'm like, oh, you can't say that anymore. I just, a therapist corrected me the other day. They were like, you can't. So we're, I'm, that's wild. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's wild. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lots of off-limit Bananas. Bananas. Um, So they, um, and that was actually the first time in my, in my, uh, a new polydynamic emerged for me where it was like, I was really comfortable with letting my husband sleep with other women and be with, be with um, our version of your Lauren sexually. Um, they've had sleepovers before. Like I just feel like she's my sister and I trust her with my whole pussy, like anything, like what's mine is yours energy. Um, but she also embodies like such queen energy and is so respectful of our relationship. Like it's, it's never takes away. It's always additive. It's always in support of. And um the hard thing for me was when they started doing the ceremonial work together because they do ceremonial work together. I'm here with mm-hmm. my three clips. That's a different kind of ceremonial work, <laughs> but they work together and they're like besties in this space, right? And they and it was like really, I was getting really present to that. There was so much spiritual intimacy developing between the two of them. And at the time I had never done this particular medicine. And so I kind of felt like I wasn't in their club, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that they were starting, like that this woman had a deeper spiritual connection to my husband than I did. But that was really beautiful to move through because it was such a safe person I always felt safe with for the last several years. And I knew it was just my own shit coming up. And I just shared it with them. And I was like, maybe is there a way that I can feel part of this and contribute to the work you're doing? And so they were really inclusive about it. And once they knew that, they were really mindful of like when ceremony ended, that they would then come and be with me and share instead of like being wrapped up in that world. And so they were, Mm. they were impeccable 
with that, that such that it, it has worked and lasted. And, and yeah, they, they work in ceremonies together quite frequently. Um, and, you know, I would, I, I totally am like, we hug every day and like, there's like cute sexiness, but you know, it's, it's like, it would have to probably be, we, we sort of joked about it. We were like, ever since we moved in together, we stopped being sexual, but when we go to parties, we make out and play. So it's kind of like kinky now because, mm-hmm. um, but not that it's like a not, like there's, an, it's not like it would be, it would need to be created though, right? Because it's such a multidimensional yeah. friendship that, um, that, that it would get, it would be something be like to say, Hey, do you want to make space for this inside of mm-hmm. our friendship and plan it? And we're all about planning here at Clit Talk too. So I'm like, not afraid to be like scheduling a date three weeks out, you know, like right. that's when the next feasible opportunity is. I mean, um, yeah. that's the cool thing. It's like normalizing that that's what you need to do. Being married for eight years, like we get to put date nights and sex on the calendar or else mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. Exactly. And so I think it's beautiful because people are like, oh, that makes it so like technical or what, like I'm going to schedule you in. And it's like, no, that makes it intentional. That actually lets me like set an intention and put some planning and some thought and some effort into it, which I feel like is the way that we could be doing everything if mm. we think about it, you know, that way. Yeah. And yeah, it's really great. Oh, we have so much in common. Wow. We have so much in common. I feel like we, we need to introduce our husbands and our Laurens and our to each yes. other. And so Jessica, sure. does Lauren live with you and your husband? She doesn't. She lives like literally a stones throw away. We're okay. on the west side in LA. She lives half a mile from our house and she actually lives with um, another one of our best friends. He's like, he's, he's family. He's like my brother and they live together. And so everybody spends a lot of time at our house though. Like our whole community of friends, they call our house main house. <laughs> the main place that everybody's at. Because we have a gym and like we have a hot tub and cold plunge and a sauna. And so like this is the main house. Uh, everyone says that they need like a pass, like a yearly membership that we yeah. get out. So most people hang out here. Um, but yeah, she's here a couple of days a week. In the first year of our relationship, we did a lot of sleepovers. And then we all got, you know, we're all old. We're like in our mid thirties. Well, she's in her early thirties, but we're like, I'm sorry. We either need a very big bed or this isn't going to work. <laughs> so for like the first year, the three of us would sleep together maybe three, four nights a week. And like now it's more or less everybody sleeps in their own home. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Look at you two living your best life. Totally. So, yeah. Great. We sort of joke about it, but we're like, we're in a silent thruple over here we're like it's 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 a it's a silent thruple it's not a it's not an official thruple but it it's like that there's there's very much the feeling of I don't like to call anyone other than my husband my partner but there's that sense of partnership right like I have a team member this is my mm-hmm. teammate who wants mm-hmm. me to win and so it's like that camaraderie in the house you know yeah of um of course what do you need can I support you like mm-hmm. that energy that I would get from a partner is present yeah. with this this other person who we both love so hard. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's it's so funny with labels and feeling into like what exact term feels best, feels like the best fit. And it's so funny. And Lauren and I never liked girlfriend for each other in the very beginning. And we also like really never adopted thruple or triad. We're, we just tell, told everybody we're a family. And then in the last like, year and a half because I would joke that she was my ex-girlfriend because we had like this mini little, not even breakup, but uh, when she was like, I really want to focus more on meeting other people. And I was like, great. Cause for probably a year, I don't know, 18 months, there wasn't any of that. It was like very much, she was super content. And I was like, okay, cool. My ex-girlfriend. And we were like, no, that's not even funny. Like it was cute for a minute, but I actually call her my partner. So where it doesn't mm. feel like the right fit for you, it's like I have a husband and I have my partner. Um, and that's like what always works for us and mm. feels like a ton of balance for me. Um, and I never realized I'm like, I thrive having two um, because, you know, I'm a lot and I like being a lot. <laughs> and so my mm. husband's like 
and you have Lauren for some of this stuff. (laughs) And it's it's really, it's so, I mean, I just always think like a triangle in general is such a strong shape. It gives people like multiple outlets and multiple places to go for connection and, you know, anyway. And support. Um, Yeah, there's certainly things that like, Katie. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, There are certainly things like that became apparent to me once um, our dear friend and lover person, the our equivalent to your Lauren, moved in with us that I just became very apparent to me that there were certain conversations that are not meant to be had with my husband. Mm-hmm. And just like the presence of, right, this, this other presence there, it allowed me to see like when I could go out into the, like I needed to talk to someone and talk something out. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to her not him. This actually would be way better served over here. I actually need a woman's perspective, not my husband's perspective. He's just going to cluster this whole, he's going to mind fuck this even more than it's already mind fucked. So it it wasn't as present for me when I didn't have that presence in my house because it would take more effort. It'd be like, ooh, which friend should I call? Yeah. Right? Whereas it's like, no, this is baked in. This is like that. So yeah, the, that's interesting to hear though, like the different terminology. And I know that you have like a free um, dictionary of terms to help people start to like build their vocabulary to have dialogue in this space, which yeah, I think is so sure. rad. I'll definitely share the link and you can throw it in the show notes. Um, it is essentially a way for people to be like, who, because a lot of people are like, oh, we want to be open. Um, and that, you know, you have no idea what that actually means and how many different levels and layers and how much of a spectrum it is. So a lot of people are like polyamory. Oh, we're polyamorous, but maybe not comfortable at all with outside loving relationships. And so they're like, oh, we're actually just maybe monogamish, you know? So anyway, it's a cool little resource. Um, I am curious, uh, your uh, Lauren partner, since she does eventually want to get married to a man and have a family and... um, potentially have that kind of take her away. Do you and your husband want to have a family as well? Or do you think? Yeah. Yeah? We're actually in the midst of working on that family. Okay. Um, so we, so I, right around the time that I met my husband, I went through like a really serious health scare. Mm. I was diagnosed with cancer when I was 27 and oh I had to have a hysterectomy like immediately. Um, and it's like crazy to think about now because this was 10 years ago. Um, and I've done a lot of healing work around it and it was actually probably the thing that led my husband and I to being together. So in so many ways, I'm actually Mm. grateful that that happened. Um, but we knew from the, the time we got together that I wouldn't be able to like get pregnant. And so we froze embryos seven years ago now. Um, and I didn't want children also. I was like, mm-hmm. we'll just freeze these because maybe I'll change my mind. I mean, I right. knew I was young. Um, and then we did this whole back and forth thing for, I don't know, the last four years of like, maybe. And then he would be like, but I really want kids. And I'd be like, I'm not so sure. And then he would get super career driven and be like, okay, maybe I don't. And I'd be like, oh, maybe I do. <laughs> We're just like not <laughs> lining up. And then finally, like, a year and a half ago, something clicked for me. I actually feel, and I still feel at this moment, like I'm so, feel a little baked. Like I've done so much work on myself and I'm in a place now where I mostly just like hold space for other people to do their own healing work, you know, whether it's in ceremony or through coaching. Um, and a mom said to me, like, it's just, it's just the most it's one of the most, right? Because there's many of many people, right, who have the ability to have children who probably won't, and it's not what this life is meant for them. Mm-hmm. But she's like, it's one of the most enormous growth opportunities you have as a woman. And I was like, the personal development junkie in me was like, wait, what? Okay. Nah. Wait, I'm going to miss this? I can't miss the biggest growth opportunity available to me. Okay, right. hold on. Let me rethink this. Um, because honestly, I felt this little plateau of like, what's next in my life? Like I have this amazing marriage and I have this amazing partnership. And now we have this amazing business. that's so fulfilling and helping people with their lives. And I just opened up about being open. I had given a couple live talks that were really well received. And I was like, I'm just thriving in all these areas. And 
as soon as I had that thought, it was almost like a perspective shift for me. It was a little selfish. I was like, oh, this could be huge for me. And what does my like life look like if I don't do that? Just like more career things. Mm-hmm. Um, then as soon as I like thought about having a kid, it's like everything flooded in. Everything from like, oh, when I'm 60 or 70, like I'll have this whole family that I've like built and they'll have kids and we'll have grandkids one day. And it just like, I, I had never let myself even romanticize or like think about a family in that light. And so that really changed my relationship to motherhood. I had to like almost, it had to be for me first. Yeah. And then it was like, now I can't think about anything else over the last year and a half. We've been like figuring out the surrogacy process. We went really slow. Um, and so, yeah, we we're like in the process right now of like actually looking for a surrogate. Um, and we'll see where that goes. We would wow, love to be pregnant like ASAP. Yeah, thank you. That's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, wow. I mean, I'm 37. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, let's like get the show on the road. I don't want to be too much of an old mama. Um, yeah. yeah, it gets harder as you get older. I'm yeah. going to be 38 and I'm, I'm, I'm um, pregnant with number two. So I'm- <gasps> How exciting. Yeah. So it's it's a, definitely, I that's the best way to put it. It's such a great opportunity for a biggest amount of growth is becoming a mother. Um, really yeah. shifts your perspective on everything. Mm. Your priorities change. So I am really looking forward to it. Yeah. And and to navigate this like open, you know, open relationship mm-hmm. with bringing children into the mix and just still being a stand for like what I believe in, which is like adding love to our lives and like Lauren being a part of their lives and just being able to be like the, the rock star aunt that, you know, they'll always have and to normalize these alternative relationships for my little people from such a young age to see like, okay, like mommy has like these two relationships, right? Um, Because I I know that she won't go away, even if, you know, she might move. Maybe she meets her partner and they move, but she's always going to be like such a huge part of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm excited to like raise kids that are seeing this as the norm. Mm. Yeah. It's not the norm for everybody, but it's the norm for my mom. And so that's yeah. interesting. Totally. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Mm, I love that. I'm, it's been a big conversation for me of what was this, what will this mean for my relationship style when I do have a child? Because as we were, we were talking about on the interview we did on your show, um, I have a lot of community. Um, I have a community of polyamorous friends whom I love to be with sexually and they're all friends and they're all, there's a lot of them are also lovers. Not all are lovers. A lot of friends are, they just remain in that friend space, but nonetheless, there's this overwhelming community of poly people. And some of my um, female friends that are female bodied and, and married and are at an age where they're really considering it. Like we've started to have conversations as recently as July 4th on one of their birthdays of like, so do you guys want to have kids? Like it was like this real serious talk. Um, and Lindsay was there for that and our two other friends. And it was like breaking kind of down where each and everyone was at. And what we all came to was like, well, if we do it at the same time. And like, we were like, we want to all be, we want to do it together. We want to like, just make this a team experience. We want to like group breastfeed. We want to like be poly about being pregnant. Like we don't want to... Um, we want to sync it up. And so that was a really beautiful conversation. I'm um, a few years younger than some, not even a few years, like maybe a decade younger than some of these women too. So I recognize there isn't a, um, there's not a time sensitivity for me, but what I was able to vocalize in that space, something that I hadn't shared before really publicly at all. um, Something that was there for me was a concern I haven't even really fully talked to my husband about this yet, just because there isn't that time sense of urgency and there's not a super strong desire yet. But like my husband's 16 years older than me. So he's 44. And so I'm just like, I see his um, strength and endurance as a person. And I'm like, okay, either you're going to need to like 
do a boot camp for this child to like be able to have the like stamina to play with and like do all the things or, or like, I don't know, is it like, are you going to, I don't, that being an older dad, you know, cause if I do want to wait five years, he's basically going to be 50, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I realized for the first time I was like, oh, it's not me and it's not my time. It's, I have a time conversation about my partner and just is, um, yeah, like is my partner cap- going to be capable of being the father that I'm going to request he be or demand he be? More, more like demand probably. Because um, I do have expectations about how I want my, um, like my father partner of our baby to be. I want him to be just as active as I am in the child's life, um, if not a little mm. more, especially with like the logistical shit. Um, and um and so that's, that was just like, it's a point of vulnerability for me because it's so new and I haven't really been talking much about it. Um, but I'm really delighted by the conversation because the community is starting to talk about this. And so whether or not someone does it first or me, like I'm sure I won't be the first one to get pregnant, but to just know that, wow, it's possible to be a poly, to be parent and to be poly and starting to see people go before me and like, for example, you, as we develop our friendship as, as like fellow non-monogamers, right. To see other parents setting these precedences, like, yes, normalize this for your children. Yes. Have your community around, have your other lovers around, let them feel all the love from all the people. Right. And Mm -hmm. that really makes me feel like, okay, all right, I could do this because that's what I'm about, you know, and setting new precedences. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I think it's Thank great you. that you're all in conversation about it because all of you may feel different when that baby's here. You know, mm-hmm. like you never know how you're actually going to feel until that moment you become a mother, you know? So you may want to do things completely different as well, but it's great right. that you guys have all that flexibility and support in um, in your lives because it's definitely lacking, I think, in our culture in general. Like they say, it takes a village. Like it really does. <laughs> So, yeah, but we have a habit of like living on islands and being pretty isolated from like our communities. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think really keeping that, like holding that standard of like, I want to raise my kids in community, whether it's like, regardless of like your sexual expression, just community Mm -hmm. in general. I I would actually love to ask you, Katie, if I can, Mm -hmm. because you're, you know, the only mom here yet. What, Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, it's so funny. It's literally all I talk about anymore is like how much I can't wait to become a mom and like literally checking email every day, seeing if like an, an offer is going to come in. Um, what, hope I don't derail your show. <laughs> like what has been the biggest shift in you as a woman, maybe like, you know, in your sexuality or just like in the way you express um, your womanhood in general, like since having kids and like, what have mm. you learned there? Well, I definitely, I my my priorities changed mm. a lot. So I used to work in television and I, I'm an actress and I was also doing this podcast and I delivered at a um, particular inter- interesting time in the world, seven months before the pandemic. So my trip, uh, beginning motherhood has been very... Um, it's just very interesting and I kind of take it day by day, but I definitely had to get things that were important to me were much clearer when my son was here. And it wasn't necessarily the things that... It was actually... I've talked to Madison about this before. I was like, my biggest fear is that I would be giving up my my entertainment career in television what to, to have kids. And to be honest, I thought it would be like devastating. And it's not that I've given up on it. It's just, I don't want to be on set 16 hours a day, six days a week. I don't want to yeah. be away from my kids at all. Like, I barely want to have help because I want to be the one raising them. I want to be the one doing everything with them. So yeah. that was really uh, interesting, especially to my partner, because we lived apart for the first six years of our relationship. Like, I was on location. He was on tour. Like, he's a he's a, he's a touring musician. And um, so my life completely changed um very unexpected to me and I didn't even care (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I thought that it would be so devastating to me and it it's honestly just been so 
so um, lovely and rewarding mm-hmm. and challenging. And um, one of the greatest, I would say, uh, challenges of my life is is being the stepping into the mother that I I want to be. And day to day, what does that look like? And how, how how is it manifesting in my kids? You know, like that's my priority. Um, so, and it's been so beautiful to have Clit Talk. I was actually leaving the project. And, um, it, <laughs> whoa. Yeah, yeah, I was leaving the project because I was going to be focused. I just shot my pilot. I was pitching it. I was a new mom and I didn't, something had to give. And then the pandemic hit and all of my momentum started to be, as far as work went, or in, within Clit Talk. And now I've gone down this completely different path of we started our, we incorporated our business. We started creating all these courses. We started teaching. I never thought I'd be sex, a sex educator, but I'm currently getting certified and and it's just been some of the most rewarding work and it's really come full circle in a way that I could have never expected. Um, and it fits the lifestyle that I'm looking to have in the way that I want to be a mom. Yeah. So, wow. yeah. Thank you for indulging me in my question. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I love it. <laughs> you never know yeah. what it's going to be like when they're here, how you're going to mm-hmm. feel, you know, or like what your life and your business are going to look like. And it's just really been taking it day by day and staying in communication with my husband and, you know, yeah. just feel walking the only way is through, you know, <laughs> yeah. so we can plan yeah. and plan and, you know, also dance. Mm. So also dance. Yeah. Lots of dancing. I realize like why I'm so emotional is like I just got my period this morning. Okay. <laughs> I'm like on the verge of tears. Like the, your whole story, I'm like crying over here. It's like the second time in the episode. I'm like, oh, I'm on my period. That's what's happening. But also, um, but also it really just struck a chord for me because I remember Katie when I met you, you were such just like boss bitch. Like oh, you yeah. were like this career like queen. Only. Only. Yeah. And you're the, one of my greatest inspirations for motherhood because yeah, it was like, you weren't going to have a kid. I wasn't going to ever have kids. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't ever going to have kids. And, Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, I'm Katie. Like, I'm not like, you know, like, and I, I got, and then once you blossomed into motherhood, um, just one of my best friends. I love you so much. And I could like start sobbing over here just thinking <laughs> about it. Like you've just become such a um, embodied woman um, and you show up like such a fucking badass for us in this project. Um, you've been like the mother of this project since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just... It gives. It gave me so much like inspiration just seeing you like let go of whatever limiting belief was there that was having you like not have it all. Yeah, <laughs> and then like have it all and be living your best life. Yeah, um, Every, so everything everything is going to come in time. Like I have it that like that and that will change. You know, like desire is also lot not linear, so it can ebb and flow as you go through big transitions in life and like. I could end up on a show five years from now, like selling clit talk, <laughs> you know, the animated series or like whatever, oh, yes. you know? So like- I'm there for that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it is still very much a real conversation, but it's also a longer game for me, you know? And just coming to grips like that with that and also um, not trying to force it anymore, just allowing it to come and keep following my my path and also- keeping my value-based boundaries very clear on what I'm willing to accept and what I'm, you know, not willing to. And, um, you know, you guys are all very versed in that type of conversation. I feel like living uh, in a poly- in polyamorous relationships, it's a lot of communication and a lot of, you know, prioritizing and, commu- you know, setting boundaries and stuff. So I know at least Matt, that's what Madison has yeah. shared a lot about. Oh, so it's, it's just like all any- we do. Yeah. All we do. People think we have in sex. We're not. 
Yeah, we're talking. We're talking. We're chatting. Yeah, <laughs> it's like anonymous. <laughs> totally are. Yeah. So although yeah, I just actually had like a fun uh, conversation. There's a there's a new uh, love interest. I haven't told Katie this yet. Mm-hmm. I did oh. sort of like spill the beans to you though, Jessica, um, when you were interviewing me, um, and it was so funny when you just said like. People think we're having sex, but we're not. We're talking like it's so true. Like the the volumes of conversation required to just get to the sex. So like there is this like, <laughs> there is this man that we're both really good friends with that just like has been sticking out to me as someone that like I'm meant to connect with right now on multiple levels on so many fronts. Um, and, and so I was like on the phone yesterday with my husband and I was like having the, the conversation, you know, about this person, what I want to create with them, blah, 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 this hypothetical, that hypothetical, what would you feel about this? What would you feel about that? And I was surprised that I maintained like in, in my turn on energy around it, because sometimes the talking about all the things by the end of it, I'm like, do I even want to do this anymore? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I've exhausted it. (laughs) Am I exhausted or do I still want this? Um, Yeah. I'm so curious though. Like I, you, I know that you've, you've been poly for, you've been non-monogamous for several years now. Would you be willing to share with us and your, our listeners, one of your most standout kinky explorations or experiences? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. God, which one? Okay. (laughs) Um, oh man. Oh, my mind is just going to all these beautiful (laughs) things. And I'm like, which one do I want to share? I, you know, I would actually always go, I I think I just go back to the first time I was ever in a foursome experience. And it was at Burning Man. Um, It was at Burning Man, the first time I ever went. There's this tent called the Orgy Dome. There is a camp responsible. Do you guys know this? Do you ladies know this? I have there's... heard stories about the Orgy Dome. Yeah. S- same. So there's a, there's a camp for everybody listening and their entire like gift to the burn is that they create a sex party environment. It's not even a party environment. It's like, it is what it is, but it's the desert. So you're happy. Like beggars can't be choosers. Like you're like, you made a pop-up tent where we can have sex and it's clean and there's music. Cool. Um, <laughs> and it was, we were still so new. We had sort of had a couple of threesomes with other women and um, we had never been with another couple. Um, I had never been with another man outside of my marriage. And the first time we went in the Orgy Dome, there's two sides. There's the just us side where it's like, this is the side you go on if you're like feeling adventurous, but you don't want to be approached and you're not going to approach anybody, but you'll probably have sex like right next to somebody else who's like having sex. Mm -hmm. And then there's the like more some side. And that's where you're open to being approached. What I love about the burner community is before you even walk in, there's a whole talk on consent, enthusiastic consent. In fact, they make sure no one's intoxicated and everyone can speak for themselves. And they also go through these really beautiful ways to like invite, to um, say no with like a smile. There's no like hard rejections. It's not the space for that. It's like, no, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. No, thank you. Um, and how to like approach other people. So it's just like love, just like a shout out to the Burning Man community for teaching me so much when I was like 27, 28, had no idea what I was doing. And first time we went in, like just us, I need to get my feet wet. It was amazing. I'm like watching all these hot people have sex around me. I'm so turned on. But I was like, okay, I need to stay in this space. But the next day I was like, can we go back? My husband's like, yeah, of course. (laughs) So we go back the second time and it's like a long hallway of beds, essentially on the like Morsum side. And it doesn't sound hot at all, but when you're there, maybe you're like on some, I don't know, fun, jolly substance. (laughs) I'm like, okay, we're going to go on this side. And... We start hooking up just the two of us and kind of like looking around, but I'm not like trying to make something happen and I'm not really interested. There's no one that's like piquing my interest until I see this couple and I'm like, oh my God, they're beautiful. 
And they're like on this couch. Every I, I'm like, how did I not see the couch? It's like way hotter than the bed. Everything's like lateral. It kind of feels weird. You're on the ground. And they're kind of like over in the corner. And I'm like, let's go move to this couch. So we, we move ourselves over. My husband's like, yeah, they're very attractive. Um, you know, he's a cis, like hetero man, but he can definitely like, he's like, yeah, that man's beautiful. I'm sure you're attracted to that man. I'm like, yeah. So we sit next to them and I like, I'm giving Pasha a blow job and we're kind of looking and that's the thing. It's like, you make eye contact. That's the first way to do it. You kind of like nod and they're like, they look back and they're kind of like, uh-huh. And then I remember my... Pasha, this is like the first time we'd ever done this. Him being like, can my wife join you? <laughs> That's like what you say. Just like now it's so normal. But back then, you know, we're like, you're, you're so activated because like everything I've ever learned about anything that looks like this is wrong and bad and taboo and gross. And so I remember, even though I really wanted this, like my body was saying yes. I was also, there was a lot of, you know, you bring a little anxious energy to it. And they were like, yeah, please. So I like scurry on over, start giving him a blowjob with his girlfriend. Or I didn't even know at the time and know their names, but like his girl. And we're doing this like awesome double blowjob thing. And my husband's just watching and he's like really enjoying me, enjoying this experience. And then she was like, do you want to have sex with him? And I was like, yeah, I do. And I look back at Pasha and he's like, enjoy. So I like, I'm straddling this guy. He's sitting on the couch and start riding him. And she goes behind and starts licking my ass. And I was like, this can't be real. This is real. People do this. How have I not known about this? I was like angry after they like, like, this should be like a thing, you know, but we don't teach sex this way. Um, And I had like the most incredible orgasm and then I kind of just like, I'm in this moment where I'm like, I kind of want to like keep doing this. So I'm like, I think I can like come again. So I'm like, you know, on top of him and like he hadn't gone yet. And his girl goes over and starts like giving my husband a blowjob, which then I was like, this is even hotter than her being behind me. Now I get to watch <laughs> this happen. And so like I'm watching them and I had another orgasm and it was just like, Still, even though I've had like many hot experiences and just beautiful, like we, we just went to the Kit Kat Club in Berlin in Germany. And so I almost told that story, but I'm like, there's nothing like your first time of right. like, I think just because there was, I, I broke down so many walls in that one experience and they were beautiful and they were like very loving and gentle. And they were just like, I re- literally felt like the universe was like, this is for you to like blossom into this sexually empowered woman. Because I, even still then, we were like a year into being monogamish, but I wasn't really being fully expressed. You know, I yeah. was like tiptoeing into everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that was the moment where I was like so liberated. And totally. um, yeah, just, yeah, that was probably still goes down as one of the hottest. That was great. Totally. I mean, it was, yeah. And that was like epic. Yeah. I was, that exceeded all expectations. Not that I had any, I didn't have expectations, but if there were, it fucking exceeded them. And it's so true. There is nothing like your first time. And there's a term that we reference. um, It's a reframe on losing virginity and it's a sexual debut. And the sexual Mm -hmm. debut could happen multiple times throughout one's life. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm like, when you shared that, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. This was like a sexual debut for you. This was a, an, a moment where I'm fully covered in chills from ankles to my neck right now. Cause I'm just, I'm in the orgy dome with you. And I'm just like, yes, that moment of liberation where you got to try all the things when you're like, how did nobody tell me this? Yeah. My first orgy experience of in a group play setting was like the same thing. I'm like, I almost, it ruined sex for me, actually, almost. I was like, I don't, like, ever want to have sex with one person at one time, like, again. Like, it was the most amazing feeling in the world. Like, the first time I did double penetration, I was like, fuck, I'm just ruined. Like, and I understand. I, I, I classified that as, like, that's special occasions, maybe, like, once a year. Um, but, um, yeah, there's nothing like that moment where it feels like the first time you're experiencing something and that sexual debut is transformational. 
It's transformational. Mm. Completely changes the way you see yourself, the world, the way you've related to yourself. And now a whole new door is opened up. So I'm glad you shared your first time. And I'm like contemplating, I'm going to Burning Man. I'm actually going without my husband. I got invited very spontaneously. Um, I couldn't get in. I couldn't get a ticket. I couldn't get into a camp. And I was like, I'm exerting zero fucking energy towards this. I don't care if I just don't care about going. And so I was like, basically like told Katie, I'm like, even though I have the time off, I'm like, I'm probably not going to Burning Man. Like I couldn't get like a, like a hooked up situation. Um, and I'm not going to put energy into it. And I let it go. I released that. And then the woman with the golden braids, we'll keep her like anonymous. The woman with the golden braids, who's like our homie. I literally was on the phone with Austin two weeks ago. And I was like, yeah, I'm just over it at this point. I mean, if, if, if the woman with the golden braids wanted to call me, and tell me that she happens to have an extra spot at her camp and an extra ticket, like, sure, maybe I'd consider it. Two days later, I got the call from the woman with the golden braids. She's like, so my partner's like not coming with me anymore. And I would love to go to Burning Man with you and pop your Burning Man cherry. She's been to Burning Man 13 years in a row. She is a founder of a Burning Man camp. Like, basically, I'm going with someone who will help me have amazing experience. Yeah. But- this happened for me, not my husband. There's no extra. I got, oh, by the way, she got me off of a wait list of 75 people. She created who I was for them as a co-host of a clit talk and that I could do a, a workshop and she's, she's the head of programming for the camp. And so not only oh, did like she get me in, but like over a 75 person wait list. So this happens, right? I'm realizing, okay, I'm going to Burning Man without my husband. My husband, I was like, how do you feel about this? He's like, I don't even feel like it matters how I feel about it. You're meant to fucking go. You have to go to Burning Man. And I was like, without you? And he's like, yes, without me. And I was like, okay. And like, so we get to have more conversations about like what that looks like. Um, Cause you know, my brain is very much like, I'm going to keep it, you know, I'm going to, I'm trying to be like, oh, you know, like I'll maybe make out with people. And, but I also understand what an expansive opportunity Burning Man is, like, you kind of don't know what you're going to step into. And so you, your story just made me realize, you know, hey, I do want to follow the, um, the, the, the trail of desire that presents itself to me. And so I, I see the opportunity to have a, a more um, transparent conversation with my partner about the fact that I'm not going to know what opportunities are coming my ways. And so what really is a fuck yes and what is a fuck no. I have a feeling I know what he'll say, though, which is just very next level of him, but he's like, just listen to your body. I trust you. If you listen to your body, you're honoring you. Then I know you're honoring me. I'm like, Mm. I appreciate that. (laughs) Thank you for the endless freedom. Um, Yeah. That's, and I know, I know for myself when I like, I'm doing something from a, like a, the dark side, like, you know, when you're going to have a shame hoeing over after and you're like, oh, maybe I didn't need to do that one thing. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with that enough for myself that I do know like what feels good to my body. You know, we, we, we do a lot of embodiment work. So I will check in with my pussy and like, how do I feel? And so I think that's why it's taken, it's taken, we've been together for eight years. It's taken five years of being poly for my husband to like create that for me and to say like, my boundary is that you honor your body. Because before mm-hmm. when I was 23, I didn't, wasn't talking to my body <laughs> in the same way that I am now. And he sees that and knows that. So he's like, literally, if you're good with it, then I trust that it's good for our relationship. Yeah. But wow. then I'm like, I don't know what to do with all that freedom. I kind of then don't do anything. I'm like, I can do whatever I want. So I'm going to squat over here in the corner and watch <laughs> and wear my mustache. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. It's so true. When you can like when you have the ability in the space to like make any decision and be with anyone you want, you get just, you almost don't do anything. So you have like all that freedom. It's like, it makes me so much more selective. And, um, yeah. but I was just going to share about Burning Man. Yeah. Just don't plan anything and be totally open because there are years that I haven't even revisited the dome where I thought like this year was going to be the year that I was going to like be so sexual and like that was my intention and just like never even went and had more like family vibes or um was really just into art or that was the year I like realized how healing dance was for me and like that was the whole burn was about that um so you just just there's like nothing you can plan but Mm. important also to have those conversations before you go so you plan for everything 
That's mm. the name of the game. Thank you. Jessica, thank you so much yeah. for coming on our show. This is such a great interview. It's going to be so valuable to all of our clitorati. Like, I'm actually super horny for my husband right now. So all of our monogamous people will be like Yay. ready, primed and ready to go. Um, and this is really so great glad. information I'm for so all of our poly listeners too. So, and anyone who's considering opening up their relationship and how to do it and what are the resources. And so you, you do have a, um, what's your relationship type quiz? Um, we have a quiz. What is that? Yeah, it's, it's brand new and I'm really excited. This is actually the first time I'm sharing it. Um, on another show. We just completed it last week. We've been working on it for months to um, make sure that just like every every way that a person might want to express on the spectrum is sort of covered when it comes to relationship styles. Mm -hmm. So it takes you from monogamy all the way to relationship anarchy. Um, And it's just a series of 13 questions because it's really boiled down Mm -hmm. um, to help you figure out which style really suits you best. Um, and so, yeah, I will drop the link and you can share it in the show notes. It's definitely a million letters, so I can't say it out loud, but there's also a link on our website, which is openlatepodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And it takes less than five minutes. And, you know, it's not Bible. I certainly tell people in the language there in the quiz is like, this is how you're desiring, right? Or like, I love that you use that word a lot or expressing right now. And this is what would be most fulfilling for you. But certainly if, you know, um, say if you landed in the open relationship realm as your result, doesn't mean that you don't have more monogamish tendencies sometimes, or maybe you can dip into polyamory as well, since they're on the other ends of the, of the open, um, spectrum. And so to always be open to being fluid and to realize that like, I might have a season of monogamy after having a baby. Who knows, right? Like I just get to check in and and trust my body and, and my priorities. Totally. Um, so I encourage people to take the quiz like every year or so, um, but we're really excited about it. And I think that it's going to be a valuable resource for people who know nothing about any of these open relationship realms. Oh, mm. so good. So good. So we will definitely so drop that uh, link in the show notes along with um, the dictionary. And thank um, you. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, I mean, just to communication. I know it's been like the big theme, but if you are having desires, and I know this is what you ladies talk about a ton. Um, to communicate them with the people that you love. I've been on this kick about vulnerable conversations recently and how even when you're afraid that you are going to show too much of yourself or potentially hurt someone with information, ultimately on the other side of that vulnerability is a closer understanding, more compassion, and, and creating ways for your partner to love you better and for you to love your partner um, more fully. So yeah, just that. And thank you for having me. And I can't wait to meet y'all in person. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yes. All right, Clitorati. That's all for today. Thank you so much. And we will see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye. If you liked this and are curious about our Clit Talk curriculum, we have a wait list for our upcoming free workshops and our Sex and Empowerment Signature Masterclass in 2022. Nothing like starting the new year guided by pleasure. Sign up for the wait list to come tap into your pussy sanctuary with Katie, myself, Sugar, and Lindsay at www.clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist. That's clittalkshow.com backslash waitlist.